Hi everybody, welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast where I'm going to sit here and do the entire podcast in one take because I'm fucking exhausted and I got a lot to talk about. So this is going to be a lot of stuff very quickly, um, but it's, uh, here, hold on, here's the, here's the pause at the beginning of the episode where the theme song plays. Cool, alright, so I just landed from coming back from Las Vegas about, oh god, four hours ago, um, my flight took off at 6am, which means I had to wake up at like 3.30, and I didn't get home until like 11, and it was daylight savings, so I lost time there as well, so I'm pretty dead, but I wanted to talk about, you know, we got like songs of the week, we got, we got, um, Harry Potter chapters, and then all the shit I did in Vegas to talk about, um, so let's, Let's start, oh wait, hold on, let me start by, it's, God, I'm, I'm sorry to practice. Um, if you like the Going Up cast, including this horrible one-take episode, then you should check out patreon.com forward slash goingupcast, where you can support me and the podcast, when we'll just keep on making awesome stuff. Or, you can check out goingupcast.com forward slash store, where you can buy custom audio recordings of whatever you want, or a fun mystery book for $9.99. It's not, it's not that bad. It's gonna be real cool. It's gonna be mystery. You never know what you're gonna get. And that's the whole point. And it's intriguing and mysterious and I love it. Uh, let's start with the song of the week. Uh, you're gonna hear my, my keyboard. I really should have prepped this, um, beforehand. Uh, but here we are. Just doing it in one take. That's what we got. Uh, here we go. So the first song I wanted to talk about came off of the album Mirrorball, live and more in 2011 by the band Def Leppard. It is called Undefeated. It was the first single released from that album, and it is exactly what you think it is. It's all about, like, uh, you'll never take my pride, you can't take me down. I'm undefeated, motherfuckers. That's what that song's all about. Positive attitude, just charging ahead. It's got a real cool drum bit, and uh, when I saw Def Leppard live years ago, uh, they played this song, and I thought it was really awesome. Uh, I think they opened with it, actually. Uh, it's a really good fucking, it just pumps you up. It's got a lot of power riffs, very classic Def Leppard. Super big fan of it. Can't recommend that hard enough. Undefeated by Def Leppard. And this week's cover is going to be chosen on the fly, because I've got a couple that I haven't used yet. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Looks like this week it is Under a Violet Moon by Blackmore's Night, which is a... I mean, I know I know stuff about this band, but I just want to pull it up so I'm not fucking spouting off nonsense. So Blackmore's Night is is a duo act um, with Candace Knight and Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple and Rainbow Fame, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Um, and I will fight you on that. He is such a fucking genius on the guitar, just with oh, it's it's beautiful. And he always was able to blend Renaissance music and the classical styles of like the fucking medieval times into his music and they created this celtic rock folk rock group um that is simply magical candace knight has one of the best voices out there uh you've already heard her voice um i believe if um no no you haven't um i i don't think i use this for song of the week but she sang on the um aventasia album Moonglow, and she sang the title track with um tobias and she is just wonderful. She is fabulous. I, I love her and I love this band. And Under a Violet Moon is is like their number one song on Spotify. So I thought I would give it a crack and sing a little cover. And here it is! She is to the nights and days 
there you go. Um, the, the their version is just way better, and uh, their their album. Um, oh God, what is it called? It came out. It's like uh, Dancer in the Moon, I think is what it's called. Let me double check. I, I've got their page open right here. I can just fucking scroll down. What's it called? It's called. Um, it's not Autumn Sky. What the hell is it called? It's awesome. I loved it. What was it called? Where is your goddamn discography? Here it is. Um, yeah, Dancer in the Moon. I was right. Fuck yeah. It's not on Spotify, which I think is a damn shame, but it's got some fucking great songs on there. Plus, they do a lot of um, uh, rainbow covers because, you know, it's uh, Richie Blackmore. But um, on that album, there are two songs. There's Somewhere Over the Sea, parentheses, The Moon is Shining. And then the next song is called The Moon is Shining, parentheses, Somewhere Over the Sea. And it's the same song done in like a folky style and then like a rock style. And I, I fucking love that. It's so it's so creative and different. And it's they're a really solid band. Just check them out under a violent moon. Anyway, let me talk about Las Vegas. We're just going to plow. We're just going to keep going. Just going to keep going. That's what this episode's all about. No breaks, no pauses, no nothing. It's going to be just me talking for like 50 minutes. All right. So, I was back in Las Vegas for business training. Um, I finished up my training on uh, Lean Six Sigma Green Belt, which is all about process improvement and identifying waste and processes across the entire company in order to improve efficiency, save money, and get the end product to the customer a hell of a lot faster. That's basically what it was. So, I was in class for you know 40 hours this past week from nine to five, and uh, we just we just got it done. Uh, there was a test at the end of it. I passed naturally because I'm super fucking cool and uh, we did a lot of fun stuff in Vegas so flight in totally fine um honestly can't remember much about it and because I'm terrible at planning trips and stuff like that I landed pretty late at night so I basically we got home and then um uh, got some grub and I like went straight to bed because I had to wake up early tomorrow for the next day for class and then after that we did what did we do that Monday night I don't think we did much of anything. I think um I think we uh stayed in. I think I cooked salmon that night. Honest to God, can't remember. Um, which means probably not a lot of fun happened that night. But anyway, um, later on in the week, I believe it was the following night, so let's say Tuesday, uh, we decided to hit an escape room. And we being me, my dad, who was also the teacher of the class, and his new lady friend. And we went over to this place called uh, Lost Games Las Vegas. That's what it's called. It has two escape rooms, and it's in this strip mall type of deal. And you walk in, and right out at the fucking gate, I am put in an uncomfortable feeling space. Because it's dark, and there's spooky music, and there's fucking nobody there! We walk in, and there's no one behind the desk, there's no one waiting in the little lobby to do an escape room, there's no one. And the door closes behind us, and at about the same time as that door closes, the door in front of us opens behind the, ca- the counter, and a you know normal person walks down and they go, hi, you want, do you want to do an escape room? And we're like, yeah, we got a reservation uh, for, for uh, escape room one, we'll call it. I think it was just straight up called the asylum. And so, you know, we get the normal spiel, sign this waiver so you don't sue us when you get, get really freaked out. Uh, go to the bathroom because you're going to be in this room for an hour and uh, lock all your shit in the safe behind you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you can't have like your phone and stuff with you, you know, because, you, you know, like flashlights and cheating and stuff like that. And we we're like, oh, OK. So um, I, I lock my stuff in the safe. This is going to come back later in another story. So just remember that you lock your shit in the safe. Uh, you get a little key on a stretchy band. You wear that around your wrist. And then we sat down in the lobby for a little bit while they got the room ready. And then we were led into another room. 
that had couches and chairs and a painting and uh, they gave us the rundown on what we were about to do. Now, a little fun fact about me. There are two things, actually there's a lot in this world I don't like, but there are two things that are at the top of the list. Number one is I don't like spiders at all. I don't like them. Don't want them near me. I don't want to see them. Freak out. Not big spider fan. Number two, I have like the last thing I ever want to have happen to me is to be wrongfully imprisoned in an insane asylum. So games that deal with that premise, like Outlast or um, the the Impatient, I think it's what it's called, the the PlayStation VR game that's tied to Until Dawn. Um, I fuck, I can't do it. I can't. Because it's a whole, like, I'm not crazy. And they're like, oh, it's okay. We're all crazy here. And I'm like, no, shut up. Fuck you. Like, I hate it. So, yeah, this entire escape room, the first and second room, all asylum themed. So I'm like, cool. Anyway, we get in there. And I'm not going to break it down for you. I don't want to spoil it for you. I will say that if you're in the Las Vegas area, this was a wonderful experience. And you should absolutely check it out. This isn't sponsored, but fucking, I've done a lot of escape rooms. Um, but these were really solid. Uh, this, the first one, uh, was basically, I'll, I'll describe a little bit. I'm not going to tell you puzzle solutions, but I'll describe it a little bit. So it was like a study, right? And it was this adventurer hunter dude. And you had to find all these clues and solve all these puzzles. And then the, the fireplace opens up and you crawl on through and it's like this horrible chem lab. And there was puzzles that need to be solved with a fucking periodic table of elements. And we're all just like, Ugh, fucking periodic table and stuff like that. Um, and there was also, um, gene sequencing that we needed to figure out where it was like, um, you know, like, um, Gattaca, uh, which like the, the, the genetic, um, sequence for, I think all beings are broken down into four basic, uh, components, G, T, A, C, um, which are the letters. And then we had to figure out what it spelled and stuff like that. And I'm not gonna tell you what the solution is. I'm just saying that that was one of the elements. Um, there was like test tubes involved, got a little spooky there in, in the bit. And um, my favorite part was uh, my dad was was reading off clues um, related to some stuff. And then uh, his lady friend was across the room looking for what the clues corresponded to. And I'm standing there um, revealing the clue whilst simultaneously working with the lockbox with the five-digit um, letter combination trying to open that son of a bitch because that's where we were trying to find. We are trying to find the code to open this lockbox. And I was able to brute force it after we got the first three because I'm just like spin, spin, test, spin, spin, test. And then I got it. And inside was was another piece to do the thing. And that was the final piece. And we eventually were um, cured of our poison because they gave us Tic Tacs at the beginning of the room. And it was like, oh no, you ate the Tic Tacs, you're poisoned. You got to go find the antidote. And then we got the antidote and we got out. Um, the, the person running the, the shindig and giving us hints and stuff like that gave us a little bit of extra time because we were so close to like getting it right. So we had like an extra five minutes, um, but we solved it and got out and it was awesome. And then after that, there was a night on the town with the team. So that was Tuesday night. This is Wednesday night now. There was a night on the town with the team. And we went to Carson Kitchen near Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas. And Carson Kitchen is pretty cool. Uh, it's got that kind of hipstery vibe thing going on. Uh, the drinks were, were okay. I had uh, something I can't remember the title of, but it was like Aviation Gin, which if you remember from a while ago, I said was the best of the four gins I tried. And it's Ryan Reynolds Gin, so I got a cocktail with that in it. But it also had like cucumber and cucumber soda. And so the whole thing just tasted like cucumbers and there wasn't nearly enough gin in it. 
Um, but it was, it was tasty. And the, the food we had there was tasty for sure. But you know me, I'm a bit of a fitness guy. I like to eat healthy and nothing on that menu was healthy. Fried chicken skin, bacon jam, deviled eggs. Oh God, the list goes on and on. Tasty for sure. But everything was shades of brown and it, almost all of it was either fried or had bacon involved in it. And you know, I like cheat meals as much as anybody, but fuck, when I got home, I made a salad, like a huge salad with some balsamic vinegar and ate that shit. It was so delicious. So tasty food for sure, but don't go there if you're a, if you're a healthier individual because you're not gonna find dick on that menu that's gonna be like under a you know, certain amount of calories, but tasty enough. Um, I'd, I might go back there, but it wouldn't be at the top of my list. Let's put it that way. Fast forward to Thursday night, class is going well. The weather is kind of hit and miss. It like rained a little bit while I was there. I think it rained twice um, while I was there. And uh, we we first went to this, um this uh, we, were, we were looking at houses and there was a house that we checked out that had the, it was a pretty sweet backyard. Uh, like the pool like wrapped around one of the corners of the houses and it had one of the corners of the house and it had like a bridge over it and there was a hot tub bit with a fire pit connected to it and it was all really cool. Um, it was it was a very, very large house. Uh, but we did that and then we went off back to Lost Game Lost Games? Pretty sure it's called Lost Games Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, Lost Games Las Vegas. For part two, motherfuckers, for part two. And so we knew going in that recommended team, team of four, pfft, don't have it. We got a team of three. This one is supposedly a lot harder. And I'll tell you straight up that there are four rooms in the second in the second escape room. First one had two. This one had four. So you would know right away that it's like, fuck, that's a lot. Like, we got some clues to solve. So we get on in there. Now, this was part two of the asylum. We had just escaped from the other shit, right? And so crazy dude from the first thing comes back. And he's like, I've been looking for you guys. And we're like, yeah, we've been, you know, hanging out. <laughs> And um, in real time, I mean, it's been been a couple of days. And um, before this all goes down, uh, the the person who led us into the antechamber was like, who wants to go in the box? And I'm like, what's the box? And she describes it. It's three foot by three foot by six feet tall. Basically a closet. And she says, what you're going to do is one of you will go in the box. And then the other two are going to enter the room afterwards and then you have to work together to get the person out of the box. And so after a quick game of rock, paper, scissors, guess who goes in the box? Fucking this guy. So I'm led into the, the hallway from the antechamber. There was a curtain up blocking us from the lobby and the entire place was pitch black. They turned off all the lights. And I'm led down this hallway with the crazy guy leading the way. And he goes, wait here, I'll go get the others. And, I'm, and he walks away, and I do what any sensible person would do in such a frightening scenario. I put my back against the fucking wall, just in time for somebody to come around the corner with a flashlight and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck! You scare the shit out of me! And she leads me into the room, and puts me in the box as, like, punishment. And then she locks it up, and there are two lights in the box. The first light comes from the emergency release button, in case it all becomes too much. And the second light comes from the camera in the corner of the box. Both are red, casting no illumination on the rest of the box. It's pitch black. So I turn and I look at the camera and I go, 
if it's possible to get like a recording of this, that'd be really fucking cool. And I'm like looking around, like feeling the walls and the, and the ceiling, looking for like hitting compartments and stuff. And I wait a couple seconds and I go, but don't fucking say anything right now because I'll shit myself if you talk to me. Because I was alone and it, I was dark. So after feeling around for a bit, couldn't find anything. I basically just kind of crouched low to the floor because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they could like false panel and something could grab me or something. I don't have no, my imagination is running fucking wild. And so the other two come down the hallway being led by the same crazy guy and they get scared the same way I did because what's her face shows up with the flashlight. They go into the room, the lights come on and I still can't see anything in the fucking box. There are like some slits in between the, uh, the boards, but I can't fucking see anything. And, um, eventually they, they tell me some clues on the outside of the box. I start feeling around. I start finding some shit and we get myself and we get out. I get out of the box. And this is a, it's kind of like a living room scenario. Um, there was like a TV, there was a chessboard, there was all sorts of stuff. And in that first room, there was like 20 puzzles we needed to solve before we got access to the second room, which was like a hydroponics bloodbath room. And we had to do a bunch of shit in there, a lot of bouncing back and forth between the two rooms to open up the third room where there was just like a dead fucking body. And then we had to take a clue from that body to figure out the shit in the first and the second room. And then once we did all that shit, there was a, there was a hatch in the wall that you stick the key in and you turn it and it swings open and it's a little tunnel and you slide down it. And I just dove head first out of that and like slid an army crawled my way out. We had 45 seconds to spare escaping that second room, but we did do it and it was awesome. Again, I don't want to give you specifics of, with like puzzle solutions and stuff like that, but God damn, it's a lot of fun. You should check it out. Oh, I will say that um, the first room, right? In order to ask for a hint, we all had to say help at the same time which um, is highly amusing when you're like paying uh, the, the bill and stuff like that and you're about to leave and you hear people in the room that you just vacated go like, help, like all at the same time. And we're just like, ha, ha, ha. They don't know what they're doing. Um, but in the second room, there was a fucking doll named Sally. And in order for you to get a clue, you had to ask Sally and be like, hey, Sally, what what do we do now? And then Sally would go, hee, hee, hee. I, I don't know, maybe you should look at the pictures. And at one point we um we fucked with some some fixtures in the in the wall and the power blows right and I leaned real close into Sally and I'm like Sally I swear to fucking God you turn these lights back on right now <laughs> like because I wasn't I wasn't having it that fucking creepy ass doll and she's like maybe you should look at the breaker box and I'm like I will throw you across the room Sally God so yeah I was very abusive to this to this doll um it was <laughs> it was funny um. But it was a ton of fun. I can't recommend that escape room uh, enough. And um, I'm going to start looking in uh, Seattle and stuff. And I know there's a bunch in uh, Fremont. Uh, I think there's some in like the, the actual like downtown area. So definitely going to do some more escape rooms in the near future. Next day after that, we decided to hit Red Rocks Canyon. But before we talk about Red Rocks Canyon, because this is all in one shot, let's talk about some motherfucking Harry Potter, let's pull them up. So, we skipped some chapters last week. I feel pretty bad about that. So I was thinking this week, in order to make it up to everybody, how about, how does, how does six chapters sound? How does six motherfucking chapters sound? I'ma drop them all, last week's and this week's. And because I didn't proof check these episodes, I don't have a, I don't have a thing to talk about. Actually, no, I do. I definitely do. 
Um, I have something to talk about. I, I can recognize it just by the title of the chapter. So, chapter 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, which I believe might be the longest title chapter um, in Harry Potter history. Um, certainly for book five. Chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Word. Chapter 24, Occlumency. That was last week's chapters. But this week, you also get chapter 25, The Beetle at Bay. Chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen. And chapter 27, The Centaur. And the sneak. <laughs> so, this week's highlight. I suppose I should have two highlights, huh? Probably have two highlights. Uh, so, first one, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Second one's gonna be a mystery. And we'll talk, because I'll find it later. Um, so, the first one I want to talk about is Christmas on the Closed Ward. Which has to be one of the most inebriated episodes I've ever put to tape. Um, easily. I was, I was fucking gone for that chapter. It was crazy fun. Uh, so I just want to play uh, a little bit of the beginning when I just kind of get a kiss of the giggles and lose it. Christmas on the Closed Ward, which is chapter 23. Yep, that's the right order. Was this why Dumbledore would no longer meet Harry's eyes? Did he expect to see Voldemort staring at him? Afraid, perhaps, that their vivid green might turn suddenly scarlet? Oh, God. With cat-like slits for pupils. Harry remembered how the snake-like faces of Voldemort had once burst itself back out of the out of the back of the quirrell's head. And he ran his hand over the back of his own, wondering what it would feel like if Voldemort burst out of his skull. I'm way too drunk for this. Can't stop now. He felt, he felt dirty, contaminated, as though he was carrying some deadly germ. Unworthy to sit on the underground train back from the hospital with innocent, clean people. Whose <laughs> 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 minds and bodies were free of the taint of Voldemort. And the other one's gonna be a mystery, and here it is. After a few more painful minutes, Cho mentioned Umbridge. Harry seized on the subject with relief, and they passed a few happy moments abusing her, but the subject had already been so thoroughly canvassed during DA meetings that it did not last very long. Silence fell again. Harry was very conscious of the slurping noises coming from the table next door, and cast wildly around for something else to say. Uh... Well, this is, uh, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah, um, fuck. So how about them next? I know they haven't had a good season in a while, but, you know, they were really putting forward a strong, strong offensive line this season. Uh, there was that, there was that game against Orlando a couple weeks back that, uh, really, really showcased, I feel like, the point guard's ability to engage the whole team. Uh, their center is trash, though. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, uh, on that front. They really need to get, uh, get another draft pick in on that front. It's really all to do with the coaching, though, if you really think about it. I mean, now the team, the, like, the players are a certain aspect of the whole process for sure, but, you know, what are paints without the artist? I mean, really, you got to really look at, you got to take a step back and realize that without a decent coach at the head of the squad, you're not going to make it anywhere. Like, like look, look at the Rams, right? I'm switching sports here. Look at the Rams. They were in St. Louis forever, and they haven't been good for, like, the last 15 years. They moved to L.A., and they got a brand-new head coach. Uh, Sean, Sean McVay, I believe uh, I believe his name is. 
Uh, and he, my God, Sean put together just a fucking super strong team. First season right out the gate. Made, made the, like the Rams fucking went straight to the playoffs. They got knocked out round one, to be sure. But that was the first time the Rams had made it into the playoffs in about 15 years. And that just goes to show you a good head coach can get a solid fucking team together and make it happen. Make the dream work. And the Knicks need that bad. And you know what? Like, oh, man. It's just, it ups, I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to hog the conversation. Tell me a, tell me a little bit more about you. Got any pets? How's that? That was, oh, that was pretty good. Good stuff. Three brand new chapters of Harry Potter land every Wednesday around 8 o'clock at night. Uh, this week you got six because we missed last week and I feel bad. So there you go. Brand new Harry Potter chapters. Anyway, let's go back to talking about Las Vegas. This is weird. My voice is getting really hoarse. Hold on a second. Holy crap. All right. Let's keep on trucking. So next we went to Red Rocks Canyon, which I've been to before. You guys have heard me talk about it before. I've shown you pictures. There's going to be a bunch of pictures of shit in Vegas on the blog. So you should go check that out at goingupcast.com forward slash blog. But this time around, we decided to do some hiking. And one thing I've yet to mention is that uh, my, my dad's new lady friend has three German Shepherds. They are named Bonnie and Clyde and Furlong, which is Irish for little bear, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, we decided to bring the puppies with us. And we went and hiked a trail called the La Madre Spring Trail in Red Rocks Canyon, Las Vegas. It's like a mile and a half one way. So three miles round trip. I think it read like 3.3 miles because you had to walk to get to the trailhead and um, estimated to take about two hours. And so we're hiking and it's gorgeous day. I wore sunscreen. Um, I'm backpacking the water in and stuff like that. And uh, the beginning's um, pretty, sh- the ground's pretty shifty. A lot of big rocks that you're just kind of sliding around. Um, but after that, like initial ascent, it definitely levels out and there's a little bit of a climb at the end uh, to the actual spring itself, which was remarkably small, um, but it seemed very clean. So very cool about that. And we get all the way out there, took some pictures. It was very beautiful. Work our way back, heading downhill, which is um, a bit more treacherous because the dogs were kind of pulling uh, most of the way. So definitely uh, definitely watching your feet on that stuff, but we was able to do it without injury. And we were driving out of the place and we actually saw a lot of, there was a lot of flash flood warnings as we were driving through the national park right towards the end we actually saw one right across the road big old flash flood and um it's pretty cool the water was crystal clear would not have guessed that it was like you could see the stones underneath it like there's nothing in the way it was kind of creepy um but that was very cool and i i love that uh national monument i believe it is it's just wonderful because you get to see so much of the park from your car. It's like a 13 mile scenic loop and then you're done and you're just like, man, that was awesome. And you can pull over and park in like a dozen and a half different locations. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty accessible. Um, definitely not like, you know, driving forever before you finally get to see what the point of the park is. You're just like, oh, the second you get in that area, you're in the park, you know, you're seeing the red rocks and experiencing the canyons and stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool stuff. And then the final day was Saturday. So we um, we decided to sleep in a little bit. And we wanted to hit the Gold and Silver Pawn Shop 
from Pawn Stars. Yes, yeah, Pawn Stars. Um, from the History Channel. Remember that show? It's like TV crack. You put that shit on and watch it forever. You never get sick of it. It's like, I'm gonna, I've got a rifle from World War One. And then Rick's like, oh man, let me pull it, pull in my buddy who's an expert on World War One rifles. And the buddy comes in and he goes, yeah, it's a genuine World War One rifle. And Rick goes, wow, this is some history. I can't wait to have it in the store. And he turns back to the guy and he's like, so what do you want for it? And the guy's like, $12 billion. And Rick's like, can't swing that. How does $6 sound? And he goes, that sounds mighty fine. And then they shake hands. Rick gets a gun, dude gets $6, and then he's out in the parking lot talking to the camera going like, oh, I was really hoping for $12 million, but I was happy to get 6 bucks for it. And then Rick goes, and now I'm so happy I have this gun in my collection, a piece of history, you can show it to the world. And I hadn't seen Pawn Stars in a long time. And so when we pull into like this pretty seedy parking lot on the, uh, like the north end of the strip where there's fucking nothing worthwhile, I'm like, Really? This is where it is? Alright. And we walk over there, and there's a fucking armed guard standing outside. And there's a there's like a little area with a uh, velvet rope. And he doesn't even say anything. He just points at the inside of the velvet rope. So we walk around him again in the velvet rope, and we stand there for like a good 20, 30 seconds. And then the guard goes, Okay! Photographs okay? No video? No FaceTime? Enjoy the store! And he opens the door for us. And we go on in. And it's been a while since we've seen an episode, but right away I recognized it. And I was like, oh, cool. We're actually in the pawn shop. The Pawn Stars pawn shop. And it was pretty cool. Lots of toys. A little bit of weaponry. Some some knives and stuff. Some guns. Uh, probably one of the cooler cabinets was the, um, the old currency cabinet. So there was like pre-Civil War um, dollar bills from like early America. There was... Um, there was a, a coin from the Song Dynasty of ancient China. There was there was all sorts of stuff. Very cool to see that sort of stuff. Absolutely bits of history for sure. You head on into the back and like there's a bunch of watches. There's a lot of jewelry. There's a lot of paintings. There's a lot of like stuff. Um, and all three of us had this mentality of like, I'm not probably gonna get anything but if i see something that i'm like wow i'll get it and we head into the back where it stops being the pawn shop and becomes the pawn stars store and there's like t-shirts with like chum lee for president shit written on it and there's mugs and crap and there's a there's a, a memorial to the old man and a lot of the weird shit he's purchased um just like into this uh, little museum there was a wall full of picasso and salvador dali paintings like legit fucking like sketches and etchings and actual paintings and I'm just like wow that's that's impressive and then out of the corner of my eye I did a double take and I freaked out because there is a cardboard cut out of Rick at the back of the fucking store just standing there like with his big dumb grin just and I was like Jesus scared the shit out of him. and it's like the cardboard cutout is built in such a way that his eyes kind of like follow you no matter where you go in the store and I didn't get a picture with him because I thought it was weird um, but you know, he's just, he's just there. Also, I was highly amused that because there was a cardboard cutout, his feet were like a foot off the ground. Cause I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I always thought it was short and the cardboard cutout was taller than I was. So I'm like, I looked at the feet and I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. he is short. It's just how the cardboard cutout is designed. Anyway. So that's down the right hand side of the store. And then we came back up the left hand side of the store. 
and they had animation cells, which were very cool. Old school Looney Tunes things. There was uh, there was a Peanuts cartoon. There was some Disney cells, um, some signed Stan Lee posters, stuff like that. Very, very cool. And then I finally saw what I was looking for because I knew they were here, the guitars. So the first thing I saw was the Gibson SG Cherry Vintage Red guitar. And the reason I know all those details is because I have the Epiphone SG Vintage Cherry Red. And it's it's that um it's like the ACDC guitar. I fucking I love my Epiphone. It's it's wonderful. But I was like, Gibson is like the make of that guitar, you know? Like the Epiphone was like two hundred bucks, the Gibson's like six to eight hundred bucks. And I'm looking at it and it didn't have any strings or any of the electronics. It was just the body. And I'm like, this shit better be fucking six dollars. Because the only reason you would get a fucking Gibson SG is because of how it sounds. And right now it's gonna sound like nothing because you gotta get the you gotta get your own fucking pickups in that little bastard. So I was pretty mad about that. But sitting behind the guitars, like on the floor, was the double neck. Top half bass, bottom half six string. And that Epiphone SG style. And I was like, oh. I've looked at that guitar a bunch. And at Pawn Stars, shit was fucking $2,000. That guitar retails at $12,000. This is a fucking steal. And I was like, holy shit. And I'm standing there, tapping my foot, biting my lip, going, mm, I want it. I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to get this home, but I want it. And... It had some play damage for sure. A couple of chips, a couple of scratches. It's a well-loved piece of machinery right there. But couldn't swing it. Could not swing it. And here's why. Well, I couldn't swing it because it's expensive. But sometime between Thursday and Friday, I had lost my credit card. And I was like, shit, where is my credit card? And I thought back, all the way back to Carson Kitchen. We ordered some drinks, I pulled out my credit card to pay for them. Somebody else paid for them, very nice gesture. Instead of putting my credit card back in its wallet slot, I just kind of sit it in my wallet and stick it back in my pocket. You know, no problem. But then we did another escape room and I had to take all my stuff out of my pockets. And I'm pretty sure the card shook loose and is still sitting in that locker. And I was like, God damn it. So, I had a couple of options before me. I went with probably the more sensible route because I, you know, figured out that it was at the escape room after I made the call to just straight up cancel the card because I wasn't confident that it was in the escape room and I didn't want that motherfucker to be active any longer than was absolutely necessary. So called my bank, canceled the card, got a new one on the way. Um, but there was that. So I lost my credit card in Vegas. And uh, there are no charges um, done with the card. So if anybody finds it, it's just a dead fucking credit card. But that was a bit of a bummer to be sure. Anyway, jump back to Pawn Stars where I'm looking at this guitar. And I'm just like, fuck, I want it. And I still do. Didn't pick it up, unfortunately. There's no way I was going to fit my suitcase in. I don't even want to think about shipping something that large and fragile, like 800 miles north. No way, Jose. So, 
finished out the rest of the store. Very fun, very exciting. Um, I'd say it's worth a visit. It's it's definitely a very nice pawn store. Um, I've been to a couple, and it's it's definitely a class above. Well, with its fame and kind of notoriety, it gets some pretty interesting uh, inventory items. So very, very fun, very cool. And we had already decided after we visited the pawn store to hit the Venetian because the Venetian was, and still is probably my favorite casino in terms of atmosphere. Um, the fake painted skies, the canal in the middle of the whole fucking thing, the fancy stores, the good food. And I was like, yeah, let's go to the Venetian. And um, we didn't make any reservations because we were just kind of winging it. And we head on in and we start looking at some menus and we ended up eating at a place called the Royal Britannica where I got a lovely strawberry field salad. Had strawberries and pecans and goat cheese and a strawberry balsamic vinaigrette and it was lovely and I loved it. And I had something called the Donut Burger, which was a double bacon cheeseburger between three glazed donuts with a sunny side up egg on top. Thinking about that burger makes me want to hurl. That being said, it was very tasty. And here's why. The glazed donut and the meat did not fight each other, but were both equally present, if that makes sense. They didn't help each other. They didn't fight each other. But your tongue would just be like, oh, I've got some meat. Oh, I've got some donut. That's a weird blend. And then you would just kind of keep eating it out of this weird sense of curiosity. Now, honestly, the best part of that burger was the donut. I don't care. Like, all right. Little, little sidetrack. If you're a fucking restaurant and you ask me how I want my burger cooked and you can't get the job done... Don't fucking ask me. All right? I said medium rare. I always say medium rare. That shit was fucking well done. It was a hockey puck. All right? If you guys can't motherfucking put some pink in that meat, I don't want you to ask me what fucking way I want it cooked. All right? Don't waste my time if you can't get the job done. I always hated that shit. How would you like it cooked? A medium rare. Well done it is. That's not what I fucking said. So, god damn it. You know, that always irks me. But I ate that, and it was weird and different, but it was tasty. While we were sitting there, we were looking at the map of the Venetian, which is huge, you know. It's connected to the Palazzo, um, which is basically the Venetian again, and there's tons of stores and tons of food and shopping and stuff like that. And there was an ad in the map for this place called the Hawaiian Cookie Company. And that kind of fascinated us, and we were just like, what kind of cookies are they making over there in Hawaii? Let's go find it. And it was on the other side of the of the Grand Canal Shopping Center. Um, I was just going to call it the mall, but, you know, it's fancier than that. So we walked through basically the entire thing. We stopped in a couple of stores. Uh, the first place we went to was like a bath bomb store. I got a couple of bath bombs. They're fucking huge. They're like the size of my fist. Can't wait to use them. Um, they also had this thing called... All right. So they had this demonstration stand in the middle of the store that was like four sinks and like a little tub. And you can like splash around in it. Very smart move. And they were showing us this thing called the bath milk soak. Okay? It's not bubble bath. It's not a bath bomb. It's bath milk soak. So the dude gets some, gets some like, uh, sample stuff of it out. And he's like, you want to see how it works? And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm a little drunk at this point. Up and fucking for anything. Let's go. And so he gets a little bowl. And he swills it with some water. And he goes, so the way this works is if you have a shallow bath, 
this is what the milk soak will do. And my dad instantly goes, who the fuck has a shallow bath? <laughs> and the guy's like, well, it's not like you'd fill your bathtub up all the way. And I'm like, I, if I fucking could, I would <laughs> soak me right up to the earlobes. Like, I want to be completely submerged. Anyway, so if you have a shallow bath where it's just like your ass cheeks getting wet, what it does is it basically creates like a, a moisturizing layer on the top of the water and you like you sink in and you, you chill out for a bit and then you get out and you pat yourself dry without rinsing because it's like a leave-in moisturizer and we're all like oh that's pretty cool but if you have a, a normal bath like a human being uh it'll it'll agitate and make bubbles and you'll have a bubble bath experience instead and it was very cool. And this was one of those places where like, oh, look, at it's like, it's all designed to look like desserts, but it's actually like bars of soap and stuff like that. So there'd be like a pie, right? Just a normal fucking pie cut into slices and it's all beautifully decorated with like lime slices and sauces over the top. And now it's a bar of soap. Here's a cupcake, bar of soap. Pile of whipped cream, bar of soap. Like that's, that's how it was. And so the bath soak was in this plastic um, cup designed to look like a milkshake with whipped cream on top. The whipped cream on top was a bar of soap and you would take that off and the lid to the to the milkshake thing was actually the measuring cup for the fucking bath soak shit. It was so goddamn clever. It was so goddamn clever. Like everything worked together and it was all like, here's all these different elements and it fits in like a fucking jigsaw puzzle. I was so impressed, so impressed. That is some fucking smart ass marketing. Super cool. Anyway, we got some bath bombs. I thought about the milkshake thing for a little while, but it was a little rich for my blood. It was like 35 bucks for four uses. Um, and I actually, hold on, doing the math. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's still more expensive than the bath bombs. Um, but I got some bath bombs. I got one that's lavender scented and I got one that's peppermint scented. So, you know, get a little variety in, in my, my bath action. So we went there and then we kept on walking. Stopped into a couple of places. We went to this one like fashion store that was, um, I guess, European inspired. And there it's like, you know, everything's fuzzy or made with sequins or spikes. And I'm just in there going like, this fucking jacket is $2,000, are you shitting me? Like, you know, a little drunk and everything was very expensive. And we keep on walking and uh, eventually we make it to the area where the Hawaiian Cookie Company uh, store is located. And while we were looking for it, we stumbled upon a rare bookstore which was probably the coolest shop in the entire place. It had signed pictures of George Washington Carver. It had signed pictures of Harry Truman and Richard Nixon. It, sorry. It had a signed first issue copy of Wind in the Willows. It had a book of magic signed by Harry fucking Houdini for $8,000. It was awesome. It's like a museum of look at how cool this shit is. Most expensive book in the entire thing was a Lewis and Clark um, com like complete description of their journeys, including pull-out maps and stuff, uh, of which there were only like 1,400 made ever. And that book was going for $147,000. And it was, you know, behind a glass case naturally and stuff like that. But they had tons of really fancy books. And I just enjoyed being like, holy crap. Like recognizing books and recognizing that, oh, it's signed. Oh, it's there's an inscription. Holy shit, it's $40 billion, you know. Very cool store. Very nice staff, um, even though they could probably spot us a mile away knowing full well that we weren't gonna buy fucking jack shit. But don't get me wrong, um, they had some, they had like a uh, signed copy of uh, the Game of Thrones books. And so I was looking for like my all-time favorite author, who is um, T.A. Barron. 
And I'm like, if he's fucking in here and there's a signed copy of like my favorite book series, I'm getting it. Um, he was not there. Philip Pullman was there with the Golden Compass trilogy, which I thought was weird, but not, not T.A. Barron. Not T.A. Barron. So we got out of there and we found the Hawaiian Cookie Company. And you know what they specialize in? Shortbread. And so they had this one box that was 16 cookies of all 16 of their varieties. And of course I bought that. And they're currently sitting upstairs. And I cannot wait to dive into those fucking shortbreads. The way it works is they're all baked in Hawaii and then they're flown out to this location once a week. So the cookies are pretty fresh. Pretty fresh. Made at least that week. So, very cool. Once again, very nice staff. Had a good old time. And once we got our cookies, we started heading back towards the uh, the car and heading on heading on out of the Venetian. And of course, got home at 11, had to wake up at 3 fucking 30 for my flight back to Seattle, which was earlier today as of recording this. But let's rewind a couple of days because I forgot something that we did and I want to talk about it. I had always heard that the aquarium in Mandalay Bay was rad. So we did it. 25 bucks a person later, we're in this aquarium. It is swelteringly hot in this weird kind of forgotten temple jungle motif, which was incredibly well done. This place had killer theming. Absolutely outstanding. Some of the best theming I've ever seen outside of an amusement park. That being said, the aquarium part of the whole experience definitely suffered, um, I think, it, because of it. Like, there'd be an exhibit uh, for a fish. And within the exhibit would be like, you know, ancient urns and a staircase from a crumbled ruin of a building and stuff like that. And then the fish. More than one exhibit did not have any signage whatsoever. Which makes me think like, is this really an aquarium? Or just kind of like, oh, there happens to be fish here to really sell the illusion that you're in like an ancient temple. Because I'm sitting here going like, boy, I wish I knew what this animal was. There's no signage here to tell me. I only saw one docent in the entire fucking aquarium. And she was talking about piranhas. The one thing that I could easily recognize from a great distance. I used to work in an aquarium and I was sitting going, there going like, I don't know what this animal is. Because there's no fucking sign to tell me. I spent too much time making fake statues of five-headed snake demons with no signage to tell you anything about the fucking animals. That being said, it's an okay aquarium. Pretty solid C. Theming-wise, A+. Outstanding. Um, and the, like the shark tunnels are pretty cool and there's some big sharks for sure and the tanks are decently sized for the animals in question but definitely not um, not the greatest aquarium I've ever been to which probably would have to go to either Mystic um, over in Connecticut or um, actually yeah that's the best aquarium I've ever, ever been to haven't been to Monterey Bay and I know you're all screaming what about Monterey Bay? I've not been there yet um, I can't wait to go one day um, but the Vancouver Aquarium is also really solid. And then, of course, the Seattle Aquarium is wonderful. So, but bang for your buck, the Mystic Seaport and Aquarium over in Connecticut is fucking world class. It's top tier. So we did the aquarium and saw some big sharks, saw some cool stuff. We got on out. Our general admission ticket also gave us access to something called Arctic Expedition, which was like around the corner in this whole other area. And so we get in there, and the first thing you see is like this kind of dome, um, planetarium style thing with a couple of chairs. And we sit down and watch like a three-minute film about the the polar ice caps and how climate change is fucking over those environments, and how in this exhibit you're going to learn more about the type of animals that live there. 
And so we get around the corner and there's like this wall that's the big projection like a game basically and you like slap a fish and it like tells you what the fish eats and you can summon food for the fish and then it grows bigger and becomes a different kind of fish and you can play it like that and that was fine and whatever but like across the aisle from that was the strangest sight I had seen in some time. There were two of those like white egg chairs you know like where you kind of sit in it and like kind of closes in around you in the corners and roving about on their own were six penguin robots they were like four feet tall big like big fucking robots with a row of motion sensors around the entire base of this little thing and so they'd kind of like forward and if you were standing there it would stop and turn and go the other way and it was weird because they're just kind of moving about. And they don't bump into each other or anything else because of the motion sensors. But it's just kind of like, or proximity alarms, I guess, would also be a good way to phrase it. But they're just kind of hanging out. Just ring around. It was weird. No signage. No explanation. Just a room full of penguin robots. Just kind of buzzing around. Like a Roomba. Hanging out. Took a couple pictures. They're pretty dark, so they might not show up well on the blog, but I'll fucking put them up there. And then we moved on. There was a ceiling projection on the floor of uh, some some icebergs, and you had to jump from iceberg to iceberg along like this this roving river. And when you made contact with the iceberg, it would um it would start to crack and fracture, so you had to move quickly. Very fun. And then we get into this other room where there's like shit about polar bears and stuff, and there's a little queue into a closed door that says. Arctic Expedition 5D Experience and I'm like alright 5D I've seen 3D I've seen 4D I've even been in the mall and seen 9D which is bullshit what's 5D I wonder and I pulled it up on my phone while we're waiting in line there are four of these in the world one of them's in Vegas one's in Jakarta I think the other one's in San Francisco or Chicago and then the fourth one is I don't fucking remember but there's four of these in the world. This one's built for 12 people. So we get on in there, and it's this platform about five feet up above the ground. There's a guardrail around the entire side, and the screen before us is 270 degrees wrapped around this little platform. And once the door behind us on the little platform closes, and the door on the to get into this room closes, the the screens light up with the, the with the video. And the whole platform begins to like lift and move around and shake and vibrate and tilt from side to side and pitch and yaw accordingly. And the little um, video described that we were in a submarine and we were learning about the, the animals of the, the northern polarized cap and then of the southern polarized cap. And the whole thing was CG animated, but not very well. Like CG animated technology from like a couple of years back. And what kind of irked me was they with CG you can showcase and describe any animal or any environment you fucking want because it's fucking computer animated you can create your own story but they still only talked about like polar bears whales krill and penguins and I'm like oh great the like the four fucking arctic animals that everybody already knows um, I think there were harp seals and walruses as well but it was just kind of like really you could have done whatever with this but this, that's the, the path that they wanted to go but whatever it's neither here nor there um, but it was, it was a cool experience. It's just like, just kind of bouncing around. 
and then um and then after that you get out and you go through a door and that's it it's a whole experience it was uh it's okay i i maintain the solid c um the arctic expedition thing is fine but it doesn't take you longer than like five minutes um just to kind of blow in and out of there and then that was uh that was it for for vegas pretty much there's only one more story to tell and that was my return flight this morning from las vegas to here so get to the airport at fucking 4 30 ish my plane took off at six and i knew it probably would start boarding around 5 10 5 20 so we get there at 4 30 start going through tsa not a problem blitz on through there you know you know me i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty fast to get through those tsa things and get over to my gate in time to finish drinking my hot tea in order to board on the plane and i go and sit down at my seat which was seat 21c i think you know pretty decently in the back in the aisle that's what i prefer i prefer the aisle seat because i like to be able to get up and go to the bathroom whenever i goddamn want and i don't mind getting up for other people so chilling there in the seat and pretty much right before we take off the dude next to me goes hey do you mind switching with my girlfriend and i was like what and he goes she's just like sitting up there can you do you, do you mind do you, do you mind swap swapping just a little little quick swapper and i was like sure whatever um because she was also in an aisle seat but like five rows up so i was like cool i'll get off the plane faster and so i get up there and i'm like hey do you want to swap and she goes oh okay and she gets up and wanders back uh to to her boyfriend and um they sit down and i sit down and the dude who is now my new metal seat neighbor uh looks at me strangely and he goes what's going on and I'm like, oh, she wanted to be with, with her boyfriend. So, you know, couples want to sit together. And I start sitting down and he goes, hey, do you mind switching with my girlfriend? And I'm back in my head. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, she's just right over there. And she's across the aisle in the same row in the middle seat. And I was like, fuck. I'm like, I can't, I can't say no. Because I just said yes. So I was like, sure. Because I'm a nice guy. So I swapped again and I'm in the middle seat. What made the middle seat bearable was that I had actually moved up into the exit row, which gave me extra legroom. And I didn't have to pay extra for it. So I was like, fuck, all right, all right, I can do this. Not a problem at all. So we take off and I don't like to listen to music while we're ascending or descending because it kind of fucks with my ears with the in-ear headphones. Um, but once we hit 10,000 feet, I broke out with a switch Started playing some Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Made some good progress. And uh, it was a pretty decent flight. Pretty decent flight overall. I will say, though, because of the time I woke up and me getting to the airport and getting so close, or arriving at the airport so close to boarding the plane, I had yet to eat breakfast at that point. Pretty hungry. And uh, the flight went without a problem. Got my bag, no problem. Got in the car, no problem. Came home, took a shower, made some breakfast and uh did some errands before i decided to sit down and record this podcast which i want to thank you all for listening to because whoo 50 minutes non-stop talking sure takes it out of me um but I, I felt like this was a was a pretty good way to do my week without breaking it up unnecessarily with like here's what we did monday song here's what we did tuesday you know didn't need that didn't need it so Hope you all enjoyed it. Um, I sure did. I really enjoyed this episode of the Going Up Cast. Worked real hard on it. Make sure you check out the songs of the week. You can find the playlist at goingupcast.com forward slash songs. There's a link right there. And you can listen to it in browser. You don't even need to be on Spotify to listen to it. 
There's a lot of really good shit on there. Like Life is a Highway, Urgent, Starlight, Tribute. There's 75 songs on there. That's a lot of songs. That's a lot of songs. Raven Child's on there. Landslide is on there. Granted. A whole lot of love. Anyway, so yeah, you can go listen to that at goingcast.com. Check out the blog. Put a lot of new photos of the Las Vegas trip up there for your pleasure of listening. Um, it's really good stuff. New Harry Potter chapters. We got six dropping this week on Wednesday. Keep your ears open. Some really good stuff in here. And thank you all very much for listening. If you liked what you heard, really support me on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash GrowingUpCast so I can keep cranking these bad boys out. Or check out the GrowingUpCast.com forward slash store where you can support me by buying a personalized audio reading or a mystery book of not your choice of mine. I was saying you a mystery book. But, you know, you can, you can choose to be a mystery book listener. They're really fun. I really like those a lot. Whew, man. I will see you next week for another episode of the Going Up cast. I will see you tomorrow night for a bunch of Harry Potter chapters. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you're all having a wonderful March. It's approaching my birthday here in a little bit. Pretty excited about that. Turn to 25. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.